Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Hopefully everybody survived Storm Diana safe and sound and there wasn't too much damage uh, done. I know there was a lot of power outages and uh, well done to the ESB networks. They got back out there as quickly as they could and got uh, supply back. And I know all the local authorities were working flat out with trees down and trying to get uh, roads reopened um, again. And I suppose, you know, as came up yesterday on the programme when we were discussing uh, Storm Diana, now the calm after the storm is the time that landowners really need to take a look at trees, trees that are near roadways, trees that are near power lines, because trees, while they may not have come down yesterday, there is the possibility that a lot of trees were damaged or their roots were loosened and it's the next storm which they, you know, they could come down. So I'm sure the local authorities will be working as well just to make sure that any trees that were damaged yesterday are taken down to make sure that when we get the next storm, and we will get another storm. You can be guaranteed that, that they will be safe and uh, won't, co- won't come down and cause any accidents. Now, before we get to what's coming up on the programme today, we have a, a letter in from a listener who has asked us to please, please, please don't say her name because she said she would be embarrassed. But she has a bit of a Christmas dilemma and she would just love to hear other listeners' views on this because she feels she's not the only one. She said she actually knows she's not the only one facing this dilemma because she spoke last year to a friend of hers who's in the very same pickle and doesn't know how to get out of it. And the pickle and the dilemma that this Cork mother faces is that she's been married for over 35 years and there has never been a Christmas since she got married where she didn't cook the Christmas dinner. And she's now at a stage that her children are grown. They are, most of them are married and she has the wonderful pleasure of having grandchildren. But every single Christmas, without fail, the entire family descends back to Mammy's home and you've guessed it, she ends up cooking the Christmas dinner every single year. She said, for example, this year there will be 22 people around her Christmas table. And she said, while that in itself sounds absolutely wonderful with grandchildren and everything, there's a lot of work and a lot of expense involved in cooking for that many people. She said, 
what really is getting to her and really annoys her and has been annoying her, it's been kind of building over the last few years, is she says, everyone just expects me to cook the dinner. I've spoken to my husband about it, but the best way to describe my husband is he's a very quiet man and says, don't rock the boat Sure, you'll be fine. She said she would love just one Christmas off, both from a cost point of view, but also from all the work point of view. But she said to add insult to injury this year, she's already spoken with one of her daughter-in-laws who rang up and has put in a request for a different dessert or an additional dessert this year. She said, I came off the phone and I was absolutely fuming. Uh, How do I get out of this? Wouldn't it be nice if one of my children or my daughters-in-law would decide to give me a Christmas off and maybe we could all go to one of the other houses. But no, everyone yet again is just expecting to turn up. They'll all arrive about one o'clock and I'll have to have dinner on the table for between two and three. And God forbid if the dinner should be late. Um, I, I know I'm not the only one in this pickle because I spoke with a friend of mine last year and she feels that she's in the very same situation and also she's like my husband doesn't want to rock the boat for fear she'll offend uh, anyone I don't want to offend anyone I would just like to have a Christmas off where somebody would pamper me instead and I wouldn't have all the fraught and worry which I'm already starting in the planning because a lot of work goes in to cooking for 22 people and there is a huge cost involved but it isn't just the cost I would just like to be appreciated and to be looked after one Christmas instead. Could you ask your listeners without please saying uh, my name or what part of Cork County I'm from? I would be really interested to hear from your other listeners. And is there a solution without offending anyone? Um, You're sincerely a stressed out mum. Okay, Uh, because there's an argument and a discussion going on at the moment that is it's come up on one of the parenting forums. And this was to do with a mother-in-law who is charging her family to come for Christmas dinner. She has come up with a cost of, I think it's €20 for adults and €10 for children. Now, she says for the €20 for adults, it will include drink. But she's just decided that enough is enough. She's having... she, she. doesn't mind having all the children but if they're coming over she wants them to pay so that there isn't a cost implication. But in this particular case uh, with our Cork mum while there is a, a cost implication but that doesn't seem to be that doesn't seem to be the worst part of it. I mean if you read you know reading between the lines it's just the whole thing of all the work that's involved and for never once for one of her daughters or daughter-in-laws or son or son-in-laws to say you know, why don't we give Granny Christmas off this year? And why don't we, you know, come to one of the other family members host it instead? Because I certainly would know of families that move it around. You know, if there's maybe three children in a house and, and, the, and the parents that they'll all, you know, maybe one in four years you'll be expected uh, to do the dinner. But is it a case, is, is the mother here wrong in that that her children probably think, isn't it great? Your granny loves having us all over. Mum loves the idea of cooking the big Christmas dinner. The fact that she's never verbalised it to them, they may not realise the way she is feeling. So does she need to speak up? How does she speak up without offending anyone? I mean, I do think the daughter-in-law ringing up, putting in a request for a different dessert, you should have very politely said, oh, that dessert sounds lovely. 
why don't you bring it with you? Wouldn't that be a good a, a good way of doing it? Because what happens in and and I'm assuming some families will will identify with this. What if I mean twenty two? That's a lot of people to cook dinner for. You'll often hear people saying, "Well, you know, one daughter will bring the starters. Somebody else will bring will do the turkey. Someone." will do the ham. Somebody else will bring the desserts. You certainly will hear that happening. You know, there's very few, I think, will expect, you know, the mum and the granny to pay for everything. You know, the wines. I mean, are you, are you providing everything? Are you providing cognacs for afterwards? It, it does. It does. Certainly from a cost point of view, it does sound, it does seem a bit, a bit much that I can actually almost understand why that other mother who got the daughter-in-law was complaining about on the parent form charging the, the 20 euro ahead for Christmas dinner. I can almost understand why somebody would do that if, if you had a big crowd. But yeah, I, I, I can see where you're coming from. You'd, and it almost as well looks like you're not being appreciated. The fact that they're automatically assuming well, your mum is going to be there with the turkey in the oven when we all turn up at uh, one o'clock and it'll be a lovely day. And it probably is a lovely day and the children probably all love getting together. The smallies will all love meeting up with the cousins and the older children probably love, you know, meeting up with their siblings. I don't know how close the family they are. How often do they all get together? You know, and that's something that perhaps only happens at Christmas as well, where you have 22 people sitting around a table together. It doesn't happen very often throughout the year. Maybe it is the only day of the year that, that it happens. So I don't know who's at fault here. Is it the children for not seeing that their mum is a bit stressed out here and that somebody really needs to step up, step up to the plate and help her out? Are is our stressed out mum at fault? Does she need to speak up? And I know Hobby is the quiet man and anything for a quiet life. So he's saying don't rock the boat. So he's certainly not going to be able to support her and he's certainly not going to be able to pull them aside and say to the sons and daughters, look, mum could do with a break this year. That would be the ideal way. But if he's a quiet man and, you know... It's hard to get a quiet man like that to speak up. Anyway, your advice, please, for our stressed out mother. 1850 John Paul is taking calls and you can text or WhatsApp 0862 Coming up on the programme this morning, we are going to be discussing the new drink driving penalties. And we're going to have them explained to us because there is a little bit of confusion about the new drink driving amendment that was introduced. It came in at the end of October. October. Was it around the bank holiday weekend? I remember we spoke about it at the time, but there is a bit of confusion. I mean, the big worry about the new penalties is if you get caught drinking and driving, which is something you should never, ever, ever even think about doing, you'll be off the road instantly for three months. And that was the main change that came in. Instead of a fine and a pen- penalty points, which was how it had been, the new changes are the is the penalty off the road for three months. So we're going to be discussing that. If you have a question with regard to the new drink driving penalties, get it into us please at 1850 and we will put it to our expert. I'm also going to be speaking with Nicole Ryan from uh, Mill Street. We've spoken with young Nicole uh, before and she ha- went to has become has come into the spotlight I suppose she would prefer not to be in the glare of media spotlight but of course she came into the media spotlight because she spoke out after the death of her younger brother her lovely brother uh, Alex who died after taking an ins- a synthetic drug called N-bomb that I have to say I had never heard of before young um, Alex Ryan lost his life uh, to it and she then decided she never wanted to see any other family go through 
what uh, she and her mom and the rest of the her the family and extended and for Alex's friends, what everybody is going through following his death. So she started out in a campaign for drug awareness for young people. So she's going to update us on a pilot program that she is going to run in the new year, and also this new card that she's bought out that I think when you hear about it will save uh, lives that she's put together and funded herself. So we'll speak with Nicole Ryan on the program today. There are a record number of children on health waiting lists and that just uh, is so wrong. It is so wrong if a child isn't well or needs an assessment for a disability should be put on any kind of a waiting list. But when you dig down into these figures that have just been released, it's worrying to see the amount of people on a waiting list for mental health services, children, these are children and adolescent mental health services the biggest number on waiting lists is here in Cork for the Cork and uh, Kerry region what needs to be done, how do we get around this, how do we get these children off these waiting lists and get them to see the professionals that they need so that they can get the help that they need I know there's huge waiting lists for assessments for disability um, things like speech and language and we know because the evidence is there that early intervention is so important I mean I feel my heart breaks for the children on these waiting lists but I tell you my heart also breaks for parents who are watching their children watching in some cases watching their children suffer in pain uh, knowing that they're they're going to be in pain for another while because they're as they wait to get to the top of uh, the waiting list but also to watch a child regress because they don't get the therapies that they need that must be just utterly utterly uh, heartbreaking so we'll look at that Member for Garda Shia will join us for Crime File and then in the final hour of the programme Jane uh, Pickett from the Island Wood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket answers all of your pet questions you can get your pet questions in throughout the day and we'll hold them for Jane in the uh, final hour This is the Court Today replay on C103 continue this morning we're after getting a huge reaction to our poor stressed out mother who has written to us she's been cooking a Christmas dinner every single Christmas from the day she got married which is over 35 years ago and she's now caught in this dilemma 22 for dinner this year all of the children are coming with their spouses and the grandchildren and she said everybody just expects her to do it and she's just kind of getting a bit sick of it and feeling I think a bit underappreciated I still think more than anything and she said she would just love the idea if one of her adult children, uh, one of the sons, one of the daughters would say look ma, take Christmas off, come to our house and host. She loves the idea of having everybody around. She loves the idea of the grandchildren being there but she'd just like to take a break from it and not to be so stressed out and could she go and sit somebody else's house and sit around their table and be served the dinner instead of her doing all the work. Let me go to as I say huge reaction on this some of your texts in I think this one is absolutely gorgeous. Where is it? Um, Hi Patricia Um, we would have 20 for dinner at my parents regularly. What we do is we take sections each. One son does the starter, one will do the drinks, one will do the dessert, one will prep the veg and delivers them in time to be cooked. Granny puts the meat on. Sometimes one of us will even supply the meat too. Granny and Grandad are the hosts, but they're not the staff. Maybe she should tell them that this year she'll be host and roast 
but nothing else. Tell them that that's what you're writing to Santa Claus for. If they don't like it, then tell them that they can host instead. Isn't that lovely? Host and roast. So they'll cook, they'll cook the food, but everybody does their own little bit. That's the way to do it. That is the way to do it. And it still gets everybody back together and back around uh, the Christmas table together. But the pressure doesn't all come on Granny, you know, and it, and it shouldn't all come on Granny. Eileen and Clonakilty says, Morning Patricia, suggestion Christmas dinner. Um, ask them all to bring a dish or part of the meal. Obviously the family like to get together but it certainly isn't fair for an elderly lady to do all of the cooking. If all else fails, let loose and tell them you're having a holiday away and let them fend for themselves. Break the habit. Break it this way by going away but certainly you do need to break the habit. That's from Eileen in Clam. Stephen in County Kerry says, Dear God, this is the advice to the woman just tell your family you have other plans for Christmas this year it's as simple as that when it comes down to it as for the daughter-in-law ringing up and putting in a request for a different dessert oh said Stephen I wish it was me she'd rang. <laughs> uh, someone else says, um, book a holiday away for Christmas. Uh, and then another person simply says, say I'm not doing it this year. Full stop. Uh, I don't, yeah. I just don't think she's got the confidence and she doesn't have the backing, unfortunately, from her husband because he's the quiet man. Mary in Recroom says, tell that stressed out mother to pretend she's sick the week before Christmas. And Mary says, shouldn't be laughing, Mary says, I had to do that a few years ago and it worked. God, you'd leave mom in a pickle. Wouldn't you imagine the week of it if she, if she says, and if she genuinely was sick, there wasn't much that they could do. I wonder what they, they would do then if she, if she did get uh, sick. OK, some of your WhatsApps. Oh, Patricia, what kind of a family does that poor lady have? They must have no conscience at all. There are six of us in our family. All of us are married with our own houses. Once we all had our own place, my mother never cooked a dinner from Christmas Eve until the 2nd of January because she moved around from house to house. My parents would come to each house individually in turn on different days. We all loved it, especially when the kids were small. Our children are all grown now and my parents are gone, but we have such great, happy memories. It's not, that's a lovely, lovely way uh, to do it as well. And that's everybody seeing that it is time for Granny to take a break from it all and it is time for her to be uh, looked after. Well done and uh, thank you for that. Uh, 1850 And just on a couple of other things that have come in outside of this. Um, hi, this is from Mary. Hi Patricia. I just saw online that the transition year students at St. Coleman's College in Fomoy have recorded a song to raise funds for a sick pupil at their school. They hope to have a Christmas number one. It might be worth highlighting it uh, to make as much money as possible. We're ahead of the game, uh, Mary. We've already been in contact with St. Coleman's College. I think they recorded the song yesterday and I think John Paul ha- there. I know they're involved with doing a video um, as well. Um, the video is online on our website is already I thought they were doing the video today their video is already up online as well um, and we are they're, we're, they're, we're going to be I think it's next week is it John Paul where they're going to be joining us and our Fiona our senior news reporter Fiona was there uh, yesterday as well and next Monday we're going to be focusing the background to the recording of the song and playing the song but if you want to go on to our website c103.ie you'll, you'll be able to see the video and so some interviews that uh, Fiona did uh, yesterday. You can also watch the video of them rehearsing, etc. It's uh, online on uh, C and, and on our C103 Facebook uh, page. But thank you 
to the listener who pointed that out uh, to us, to Mary. Thank you, Mary. Uh, but yeah, we were ahead on that one. But thanks for the WhatsApp. 1850-333-103. Lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Hi, Simon here. As you know, Cork has a host of local and world-class brands, and it's a great place for shopping. This Christmas, we're asking you once again to make every effort to shop locally. We'd be delighted if you could do your Christmas shopping right here in Cork. Because a thriving local economy is good for everyone. Shop locally and you'll save time, you'll save money and you'll save local jobs. Support your own this festive season and have a very happy Christmas from all of us at C103. Now, motorists have been encouraged to take the time to understand recent changes made by the government to the drink driving laws ahead of the Christmas period. To talk us through the changes, I'm joined by Miriam Tabor, who is communications manager with uh, Drink Aware. Uh, good morning to you, Miriam. Good morning. Um, you're welcome to the programme. Now, the blood alcohol concentration hasn't changed, but it's the penalties that have. Just outline what came in at the end of October. Yeah, you're absolutely right, Patricia. So we've been receiving quite a few um, messages from and queries from the public about this, and there seems to be a bit of confusion there. So what has changed, and um, what hasn't changed, rather, as you quite um, as you just said, is the blood alcohol concentration hasn't changed, but what has is the penalty. So it's now the penalty for driving um, with very lower levels of alcohol um, in your system. So that's between, without getting too technical, that's between 50 milligrams and 80 milligrams um, of alcohol in your blood. The penalty has increased from three penalty points to now it's a three-month automatic driving ban plus a €200 fine. So as of just um, October gone... So ordinary, fully licensed drivers detected by Angarda Siakona with this lower level um, of blood alcohol concentration will receive an automatic three-month disqualification from driving plus a €200 fine. And up to up to this, it had been the penalty points and just the €200 fine, wasn't it? It was. So it, was to, it used to be um, three penalty points plus um, the monetary fine. So you can see that, you know, the, the penalty has increased quite substantially um, and, you know, we're talking about the vast majority of drivers as well. So this really affects most drivers on the road. So it's really, really important that people um, understand that, you know, the risk of getting behind the wheel, even after just one pint, it's just not worth it. And losing your licence, uh, Miriam, you know, if you need your car to go to work, I mean, it, this, it can have a devastating effect. It would be devastating, you know, and, you know, that's that's one of the top things that we hear from people is that um, people who said that they wouldn't drink drive, they wouldn't even risk it after one drink is purely because they use their car for work. And that, that may be that they um, travel by car or it could be that they drive machinery or they're, you know, a professional driver in another capacity like a van driver or a bus driver. But I suppose those penalties haven't changed. So they remain at the lower level. So that's even lower again. So that's 20 milligrams is the, is the lower level that's there. That's professional drivers and learners, isn't it? Learners and, and novice drivers. And is it novice drivers as well, the ones with the end plates? Learners, novice and professional drivers. So okay. they remain the same. So the penalty for that is the same now um, as it always has been, which is three months disqualification for driving plus um, the 200 euro fine. So I suppose for people who... Um, uh, certainly professional drivers, but those who are new to the road, it's just worth knowing that, 
um, you know, even just one drink could easily put you over the limit. And, you know, your driving career could be over even before it begins. Were many people arrested for drink driving last year, Miriam? They were. And actually, you know, we hear a lot um, that people say drink driving isn't an issue anymore. And, oh, that's the thing of the past. But actually, that's not what... um, the arrest numbers say. So last year, in 2017, nearly 9,000 drivers were arrested um, by the Gardaí on suspicion of driving under the influence. So that was compared to um, just over 8,000 arrests in 2016. So that's an 11% increase um, from 2016. So, you know, it is clear that drink driving is still an issue here. Um, and not only that, worryingly, is it seems to be getting a little bit worse as well. So we're seeing more people get behind the wheel um, after consuming alcohol. And driving the, the day after, the, the morning after the night out, people need to be very careful. They do. And I think that's a really important message um, to talk about, especially at Christmas when, you know, we're all out a bit more. We're traveling home for Christmas but we're also toing and froing between houses for parties or occasions. And, you know, it's crucial to remember that even if you were drinking the night before and you, you know, and you stopped drinking at, say, 11 o'clock, it, it, you know, it doesn't really matter depending on so many different factors that make it almost impossible to work out. And um, you could still be over the limit the next morning. And it's worth noting that, you know, one in 10 driving under the influence arrests are made between 8 a.m., and 2pm with a huge peak um, every Sunday. So what we're seeing is people are out on a Saturday night and then they get behind the wheel, um, not even the next morning, but even early afternoon, and they're still over the limit. So I suppose that can be surprising for people, but it's just to be mindful. And, you know, it takes the average um, person, there's so many factors at play which make it a little bit hard to work out, but the kind of average um guide is that it takes about one hour to process one standard drink um, of alcohol. So, you know, different examples of one standard drink include a half pint of beer or a pub measure of spirits. And, you know, there's no quick fix there. You know, we often hear, you know, myths like, oh, I'll have a cup of coffee or I'll have a shower and that will sober me up or I'll go for a run and I'll be fine. But these just aren't true. You know, there's nothing you can do to remove um, alcohol from your body any quicker. It just takes time. So especially um, around Christmas when we're all out a bit more, I think that's a really, really um, good thing to get your mind around. And, you know, we have a drinks calculator on our website at drinkaware.ie and it shows you, you put in how many drinks you had and the different types of drinks you had. And it will show you various different results like calories and things like that. But it also shows you and an estimated amount of hours that it could take for alcohol to leave your system. Now, we have that there for information purposes only. You know, obviously, it's a, it's a rough guide, but it's, you know, it can be an eye-opener for people and put it into kind of practical context. One of the best purchases I bought in the last number of years for our house was a, a breathalyzer, a, a home breathalyzer. Um, do you recommend those? Well, I suppose the jury is out on home breathalyzers. I think from for information purposes and for, you know, getting your head around, yes, okay, even at, you know, the next afternoon, there could still be alcohol in my system. I think that's a worthy um, lesson to be mindful of and to, you know, it's, it's a good way to um, understand that a bit more. But I think nobody should be using these breathalyzers that you can buy either, you know, over the counter or um, online. Um, thinking that 
if I get stopped by the guards, I'll be totally fine and their breathalyzer will say will give the same results because that's not the case. These home breathalyzers are not as um, technical, I suppose, and they're not as sound as the ones used by the guards would. So they, they wouldn't have the same kind of um, capacity. So, yeah, yeah, but it's, I tell you, it's a good indicator. It's, it stopped me driving on, on a good few occasions the next day. I just said, no, no when, when I didn't, when I blew into the breathalyzer and, and, and I was still just even borderline, I aired on the side of, I'm not going to drive. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And as I say, I think for even learning that lesson, I think, and as you say, as an indicator, I think, mm. yeah. Very useful to have. Yeah. Um, the get and, the o- and the other thing, Miriam, with, with Christmas, uh, measures that people pour at home and at a house party and when somebody comes in and you're exchanging Christmas gifts, I shall have a drink, here, have a glass of wine and the glass of wine could be double what you would get when you go uh, out for a normal measure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this we hear this so often from people and, you know, you can see it around, particularly the size of wine glasses has gotten a bit out of control and um, there are some wine glasses where you can nearly fit a full bottle of wine um, in the glass. Yeah, I, o- I only had one glass. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, what we'd say to people is we kind of try and put it in as simple terms as possible. How long is a piece of string? So one glass of wine to me is not the same as one glass of wine is to you. And, you know, it's, it's actually a big thing for people who don't drink alcohol when they're pouring for somebody. They don't really know measures of spirits or things like that. So it, it can lead to oh, that looks a bit mean, I'll put in a bit more. But, you know, one of our tools that we offer free of charge through our website, actually, is um, a really useful standard drink measure cup. So it's just a small plastic cup um, that has the different markings on it for levels of standard drinks, um, for wine, um, for spirits, and the whole cup is a half pint itself. So it, it can just be a nice thing to have in the house, especially, you know, around Christmas when we know people are going to, are likely to be, drinking alcohol more at home where it's more relaxed, you know, the festive mood takes us all um, and there will be a few more kind of um, occasions to where alcohol will be present at home. But having something like this little measure cup really can make a difference. And what we hear from people is, especially around wine, it is a huge eye opener for people. And where is that measure cup available from? So you can order um, our measure cup at drinkaware.ie and as I say, they're free of charge well done. and I just well done. It's a good really idea. Every, every household should have one. Absolutely. OK. All right. Listen, Miriam, have a, have a happy Christmas and thank you very much for joining us on the programme today. You too. Thanks very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, Miriam Tabor, who is the communications manager with uh, Drinks Aware. John and Carrie Galine says, Patricia, as long as there is drink, there will be drink driving, unfortunately. I see it every day in my area, even at 1 p.m. in the day. The guards are well aware of these people, but they seem to turn a blind eye or else they are too busy. I can't see Gardaí turning a blind eye to drink driving. Maybe it's, uh, it's too busy there, uh, John. We have plenty of laws in this country, but nobody to enforce them. Look at the penalty point uh, issue and how corrupt uh, that was, says John in Carrigaline. 1850-333-103, lines open. Court today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 Hi, this is Nick Richards. It's that time of year again. And guess who's joining me on the afternoon show? Ho, ho, ho! I'm really looking 
forward to chatting to you all on C103. Santa Claus is here to take your calls as we count down to the big day, and he could be talking to you. Go to C103.ie and fill out the special entry form for your chance to get a phone call from the big man himself. Get ready for Santa's Christmas calls. I could be talking to your little ones with Nick Richards only on C103. Since the death of her young brother, Nicole Ryan from Mill Street has been on a campaign to educate young people about the dangers of drugs, especially the synthetic ones like the N-bomb that tragically killed Alex. To chat about a pilot programme on drug awareness that she hopes to launch at Carrigaline in the New Year, New Year. Uh, Nicole Ryan joins me. Good morning to you, Nicole. Hi, good morning. Uh, uh, you're, you're welcome to the programme. Um, it's almost three years 23rd of January 2016 since you you lost um, Alex Uh, in many ways three short years but for you I take it a lifetime yeah basically yeah sometimes it's it's just so hard to believe that it's only been three years and then sometimes it feels like yeah just like you described it a lifetime just remind listeners what happened to him um, yeah, so he went to a house party in the Green Mount area in Cork City and um, himself and a few others took synthetic drugs, um, believing it to be a different type of synthetic drug that was supplied to them. And unfortunately, it was a more potent version and they all ended up in hospital and my brother never regained consciousness and he um, passed away four days later. So at, at what age was Alex again? He was 18. 18. You have created and paid for a new emergency response card to educate young people on how to perform vital first aid. Tell me about these cards. Yeah, so I uh, did a launch at UCC, so that was a kind of test, um, just to kind of test the cards, see how they were going to go down with the students and everybody. Um, they're on Tuesday, just gone, and the cards were created basically um, over the summer. I kind of had a focus group, so we would meet for coffees and things, and we would just kind of see kind of what kind of ideas would come up and I always thought back to the time that my brother was in that house and how like nobody was able to help him or do CPR which is a skill that is so um, you know you think people more people would know it but actually in college and you know and things like that where parties are going on a lot of people wouldn't know CPR so <clears throat> we thought initially of doing up an app but then we kind of thought about it for a little bit and thought, you know, if somebody's under the influence or if they're in, using a substance, it's very difficult to navigate an app in an emergency situation on top of it. So we went back to the cards and we wanted it to be durable and for people to be able to just access them quickly and just to have it with them on their, you know, in their wallet or whatever. So that was the kind of idea behind it. So it's it. a credit card size? Yep, it's a credit yeah. card size card. And what's on it? So it has two images. It's got um, an image of chest compressions, hands-on chest compressions, and the recovery position on the other other side. And it's got a QR code as well. So if you scan the QR code, it instantly pops up and opens um, a step-by-step video on how to put someone in the recovery position or how to do chest compression. How fantastic. This could and will save a life. That's kind of the hope, you know, um, it's just something that people can carry and I don't, I, I just kind of thought, why hasn't it been already done? Yeah. You know, it's simple, a real simple yeah, concept. Yeah. <laughs> and how did the launch go at UCC? Uh, it was fantastic. Um, it was, you know, there was, it was a great turnout. There were people from CIT coming. Um, you know, everybody really enjoyed the workshop and they found it really informative and the idea behind it was fantastic. So 
thankfully to UCC and, you know, the Students' Union are so progressive and they're phenomenal down there. Um, yeah, so they booked me in for another um, session with UCC down um, just before Rag Week. Well done. And your plan for the drug awareness uh, programmes in schools that, that, that I mentioned, you're hoping to launch this in, in Carrick-Tool? Carrick-Tool, yeah. So Carrick-Tool Community College, um, I've been working closely with them and with a couple of other people, key people, but developing a programme kind of which is four lesson plans essentially and their target is for the junior cycle, so it'll be junior cert that'll be um, kind of uh, participating in this programme which focuses, the team is obviously substance misuse and it introduces them into different aspects of substance misuse and, you know, different types of drugs, um, real case studies of real people sharing their experiences, all that kind of stuff. Um, but they also, we focused it on the SPHE curriculum. So we picked out, we picked out seven learning statements of learning um, that we based the program on and also to develop their key skills, which is, you know, like resilience building, which is a really strong um, skill to have and teamwork, communication, presentation, all that kind of stuff. So going forward, then, they'll be able to kind of have these skills, which are kind of life skills, really, um, to make better decisions, you know, going forward into senior cycle and into college. Again, it's one of those things you kind of think, why has that not already been in? Is it not already in all of the uh, the schools? You're starting in a character tool. I mean, if you had a wish, this would be rolled out in every school. Yeah, if I had wished it would be rolled out in every school, but... um. We do need to test it. We do need to pilot it because um, this will be the first time we've done something like this. So, you know, afterwards we can evaluate it and see what needs tweaking, you know, see how everybody thought about, you know, thought of it and, you know, what the, especially the students um, really enjoyed and what they didn't enjoy and that kind of stuff. So we can tweak it to be as best as it can be. Because you've spent the last three years since Alex's tragic death visiting many schools and and speaking to, to young people. I have, yeah. Um, I have done a lot of workshops in the last almost three years, um, and it's been fantastic. And a lot of the time I've been just carrying out research, getting feedback from the students to find out what they wanted, which has been a huge help. But I also have been working with teachers and principals in schools and the wider general public to find out what they want as well. So it's not just something that I assume people might want to learn about. It's something that's been researched that we have put a lot of time in. Um, and to get an aspect from everybody's perspective and not just obviously my own. Um, so, yeah, the workshops have been great, but the problem with doing, like, one-off workshops, it's all well and good, you know, but you go in and then what happens afterwards? So we are working with the school to kind of devise an aftercare plan should anything arise later on, you know, which is really important because, yeah, the workshop is fantastic, of course, but they do need support, more support than just the one. Okay, you're, you're doing incredible work and actually I just spotted a WhatsApp in from Jim, one of our listeners, saying well done to Nicole. She's an amazing woman and constantly doing something and creating awareness and helping people uh, when it comes to education about drugs and no doubt her brother Alex will be so proud of her. Isn't that lovely? Thank you, Jim. Thank you for, um, Thank you. Uh, for that. Uh, and, you know, the... You, I still can't believe it's the third anniversary coming up in, in January. What's um what's life been like since? Um how are you all doing, Nicole? Um, yeah, we just we just get by. Um it's something that we've adapted to, you know, you you learn to live with it. It never goes away and it's never any less difficult. But, you know, we do have each other and I suppose my mother is probably the biggest, my biggest supporter in life and in general. And without her, I don't think I'd be half as far as I am. But we just, you know, we just take it day by day still. And I don't think we still realise 
you know exactly what happened it takes a lot of time and sometimes there are moments when you still think that like I'll still walk through the city and see somebody that looks really like my brother mm. and it just kind of you know makes me slight it but breaks my heart because I know it's not him I know I know but for that split second it's yeah yeah <laughs> Christmas will be tough it, it is yeah it is tough but um, we did we, we went away the first year and we kind of realised that that wasn't really as nice so we stayed home last year we'll do the same this year we still partake we still you know put up our decorations and yeah. do all that stuff um, but on the day I suppose we just go to Valley Hike where he's resting and just have a walk on the beach to be with him and come home have the dinner and it's over <laughs> I know I know God help you that's a, that's a, that's a tough tough uh, cross to carry it really is but you are amazing you, you really are you are truly truly inspirational and the work that you have done and the work I know you will do in the future you will save other families going through uh, what you and, and your mum have to go through at the moment listen uh, it's a pleasure as always to talk to you and we'll talk again but uh, thanks for joining us Thanks for taking care of yourself. Bye bye. Bye bye. That is uh, the lovely Nicole Ryan from Mill Street. As I say, she's been thrust into the media spotlight. She never looked for it, she never wanted it. And if she could turn back time, she would and would never be in the position that she's in uh, now. But she's she's doing amazing work. She she really has to, uh, all the help that we can give her. Only too glad uh, to help out in any publicity that she needs. OK, we need to take a break. We have news at 11 on the way. A lot of calls and commentary coming in. I will catch up with that after news at 11. Also hearing about a record number of children on health waiting lists and in particular to access mental health services here in the Cork and Kerry region. Quite frightening. We'll look at all that in the next hour. Cork Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie C103 I'm Biddy, the fairy cork mother, ready and on call to make sure Cinderella will make it to the ball and show up her ugly sisters who might be dressed in silk but have the kind of faces that would surely sour milk. And you're invited, all of you, to join the fun and thrill. So come along and see us. You'll be amazed. Oh, yes, you will. This Christmas, C103 presents Cinderella at the Everyman from December 1st. Join us for the ultimate panto experience with sensational singing and dancing and non-stop laughter. See everymancork.com for more. Book your tickets now for Cinderella. The Everyman Panto. It's for everyone. With C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Lots of commentary to catch up on. Let me start with some calls that have come in to John Paul. Firstly, the calls on the lady with the Christmas dilemma who has been cooking the Christmas dinner since the day she got married. Oh, some 35 years now but the family now expect her to do it it's what seems to be the issue 22 for dinner this year with her children their spouses and the grandchildren and why she loves having them all over just it's a lot of work and she said she'd love the idea that one year one of them might say Granny you sit down you don't have to cook the dinner come to our house are as a lot of people are suggesting that everybody brings something that seems to be the the way a lot of other families are getting around it because she feels she's not on her own she's not the only one she's spoken with another friend of hers who's in the same bit of a pickle where 
the friend's family expect that Granny is the one who's going to do uh, everything. She just wants kind of a year off uh, from it all. Marie says there's a good few of us in our family. We all come together and we take turns going to each other's houses uh, and then everybody makes something towards towards the dinner. We'll meet up in October and decide what each person is going to do for that part of the meal. There's probably even a social aspect everybody meeting up making the decision on what's going to happen for Christmas. But that's it. Everybody, everybody doing at their little bit seems to be the way forward. Ronnie and Mallow says if that woman is doing all the cooking who does the washing up? Do the, the daughters and the sons and the daughters-in-laws do they wash up or maybe they have a dishwasher? Well I'm hoping everybody rolls in on the day that she's not like a, a paid servant at the same time. Uh, Anne-Marie and Charleva says we've got a big family. We all look forward to meeting up at Christmas. It's a fantastic day. We've plenty of food. Everybody brings something to contribute, not just to the dinner even the things like the drink and the sweets and the you know the treats and, and all of that but it's just all, it's a big family day out. Hannah says sometimes I wish I could go away on a holiday day for Christmas. I love this time of year but there does seem to be a lot of hassle around it. And Anthony says I feel Christmas can be a lonely time of year for so many people missing loved ones who have passed on. People who may have a lot of people around them may still feel very lonely. I work in in a voluntary capacity in a community setting where we help people with different issues and Christmas for many is the worst time of year. It brings joy for so many but it also brings sadness as it is not a perfect time of the year uh, for all and you are so right and it's a topic we often address here in the run up uh, to Christmas My sister-in-law says a texter years ago suggested that she and her husband and at the time they had three small children would go to her husband's sister and family for the Christmas dinner but she was very politely told you're more than welcome to visit but later in the day come after dinner <laughs> so th- there was there was a woman of the house who was well able to speak up but someone was inviting themselves for Christmas dinner she says no you're more than welcome to come but come after dinner we'll be finished on and dusted by four we'll, <laughs> we'll accept visitors after four o'clock so the advice from this texter is that our stressed out mother uh, should speak up but she needs to do it you can do it in a nice way and that's what uh, she needs to do. Okay, some of your WhatsApps in on this one. Lorraine says, there's only one way to sort this out. It's too late though, Lorraine says, for this year. We've less than a month to go for Christmas. Everyone now is expecting to come to Granny's house. Uh, So I would suggest doing this in January. Call a family meeting. Just keep it informal. I do this all the time whenever I have a problem within the family circle. Just say that as and from Christmas 2019 uh, dinner will be organised on a rota basis if they don't they won't like it initially but they absolutely will come round to it says Lorraine and they'll have a year to work on the rota so that might be a, a suggestion for her uh, 1850 Helen says in relation to the woman making all the Christmas dinners my opinion is to say it to say it out, tell them about our concerns because as it was always a family tradition, it could happen that her family and the daughter-in-laws might just think that this lady would be disappointed if the tradition was broken and changed. In this case, there would be an understanding between them. Love the show. Thank you. Um, That's from Helen. There is that issue. I don't know if that could be happening that some of the children think, oh, should we have to go? We've always gone to Mam's for dinner. So she'd be disappointed if we don't bring the children uh, over. Could that be the issue? 
could some of the family members not actually want to be going there every Christmas? I wonder could that? Maybe. You never know. It may well be uh, an issue. Okay, on drink driving, some of your issues coming in on the drink driving interview that we did with the Drinkwise and just trying to advise and warn people about the new drink driving. They're not new drink driving limits. The limits have remained the same. But what is happening is the penalty. You could lose your licence and you could be off the road for three months if you are uh, caught. On the the new penalties, I think this is brilliant, says a texter. Bring on more of these types of penalties. People have so much to lose now. Yeah, I mean, the thought of being off the road for three months will scare a lot of people. We all need safer roads, says this texter. And I'm in the younger generation. I'm a 37-year-old mother who thinks this is a fantastic idea and it will make our roads uh, safer. Uh, Heidi says, Morning Patricia, it's not only drink driving, it's speeding around our narrow roads, particularly with people not knowing what's coming against them. And I also think that people stopped by the Gardaí should be checked for drugs. That really needs to be looked at. Well, I do know, thank you for that, Heidi, I do know that in October of this year, figures came out to show how many people were tested for drug driving. Because remember, legislation was introduced in April of 2017. So we're over a year and a half, over 18 months with the new legislation. And up to October, less than 2,000 motorists have been tested for drug testing. And if you compare that to in the same time period, over a half a million breath tests for alcohol were used. And yet only 2,000 were tested for drug testing. And when the legislation was introduced in April of 2017, we were told that the initial plans was that they would carry out 50,000 drug testing tests a year. And they are nowhere near that. 2,000 well, it's meant to be 50,000, well, half a million breath tests. So I, I don't understand if you're doing half a million breath tests, why... Which, why are you not having half a million drug testing? Would you not do both together? Uh, that does and and it's accepted that that needs to be looked at that there are unfortunately too many people on our roads under the influence of uh, drugs. Back to the drink driving, Dennis says if you're off the road for three months do you have to reset the test again? No. I mean anyone when you're off the road for a period of time you reapply when the period of time is up and then you get your licence back so no you don't have to reset the test well, maybe it's not a bad suggestion. Would that be an added layer to the penalty? How would people feel if you're off the road and then as soon as you come back, you have to go start back at the beginning and re-sit your driving test, which would mean putting up L plates and then would mean putting up N, N plates as well, the novice plates for a, for a couple of years. How would people feel about that? Michelle in Mallow says, we purchased a breathalyzer. Best thing we ever did. When you think you're okay, you can still be just over the limit. So everyone should invest in one if they think they're going to be out, particularly for the next day. Actually, just on the breathalyzers, because I I absolutely think one of the greatest tools that ever came into my house. Somebody says, where can one buy a reliable alcohol level detectors, the breathalyzers you're talking about, to check just to make sure that you've got zero level the morning after? I know the one I bought, I bought it overseas, but I do know a number of years ago, I bought one in a chemist shop. So I would suggest try a chemist shop to see do they have a breathalyzer. Will a hardware store 
have a breathalyzer. I know you can get the disposable breathalyzers. You know, if you're travelling to France and you're going to be driving, if you're in France, you must in your car have is it three breathalysers or is it just the one but you have to have your own breathalyser because if you're stopped in France by the police they, they make you use your own breathalyser so you have to have one uh, in the car at all times so I know that though, but they're disposable ones they're one use and uh, they're gone I mean the one I have you pop little batteries into and it's a, it's a reusable one but so sorry I digress I would say try a chemist shop um, hardware store would a hardware store have them and if anyone has recently bought a breathalyser or if you are a shop listing and you sell breathalysers somewhere across Cork City and County let us know because we have a number of people who would like to buy breathalysers and just are wondering where they're actually on sale Martin in Canturk says allow two hours for every pint you have not an hour allow two pints for every pint you've had not one hour um, as our expert has said, especially if you are driving beyond midnight. I asked a guard that myself and that's what the guard that told me, says uh, Martin. Tom in Fomoy says, not everybody drinks a glass of wine. Is there a difference in the alcohol uh, intake between a glass of wine and a glass of power, say a glass of whiskey? Oh, well, I think what what Miriam uh, Tabor from uh, Drink Away was talking about, when, when you look at one measure, the one measure equates to one small glass of wine, a shot of, be it whiskey, gin, your powers, that's, that might be your tipple. Uh, so one measure of spirits and a half a pint of uh, beer. And actually we'll get on to the, I think that I'll get on to the drink aware I'll take a look at their website just to see that measure glass that they're talking about, the plastic one that they're giving out free. Sounds like a really good idea. And if you are going to have people over to your house at Christmas, it may be something that we should all be sending off for and, and, and getting one and have it in the house so that you can measure the drink uh, for people. Uh, but Tom, again, there's no... It's very hard to say to somebody, if you drink that, you're going to be under the limit because you just don't know. Everybody, everyone's metabolism and how you burn off drink varies. I mean, I think the, you know, the safest one or always is just don't drink and drive. But it's the next day one that everyone, I think, has started to become most worried about, particularly with these new penalties where you could end up doing everything right the night before and then getting up the next day thinking you're OK and going out and getting stopped because Miriam had the stats on the number of people who were caught the next morning and it's, it's, a, it's a big, big number of people get caught the next morning and this is going to be the first Christmas where people will get caught the next morning maybe after a Christmas party for example, who works uh, do head into work the next day thinking they're OK, getting the taxi home or you know designated driver going home the night before and they're over the limit and could end up losing their licence because last year if you were stopped and you were just over the, the lower limit, you would have just got bad enough. You would have got your penalty points and your €200 Euro fine but it's going to be a different kettle of fish this year. There could be a very bleak new year for a number of people so you still have to be so, so careful. Tom in Rathgormack says, I feel the Gardaí should be out more monitoring rural areas where there are pubs. I know some of these bars serve alcohol way beyond closing time and then the people will take a chance and drive home because they don't have access to taxis or buses in very rural areas. Dermot in Hollow says on a Sunday night he would call into his local bar mainly for a catch up, a bit of a chat find out what's going on in the community. Doesn't drink so it isn't a bother to him to drive to his local pub but when the new laws uh, came in he was in the bar one night and he saw a man 
on his own, staring into his pint. Now he said, I don't know the man just to see him, but he said he ended up chatting to him and this gentleman said that all of his friends don't go out anymore because of the new drink driving laws. They're too afraid. This gentleman misses the crack and the chat. He commented that it was good for his mental health. Drink driving is wrong, but I do feel something has to happen for people in, living in a very rural area like that. But, you know, Dermot, you or summing up in a nutshell, you can go out, you don't always have to drink. I mean, what is it about the Irish psyche that we can't go? You can't. You said you said you do it on many occasions. You'll go into a local bar and have a mineral, you know, do they serve coffees or whatever. You don't always have to drink. I know we associate bars uh, with drinking, but I'm wondering for the people who decide who are missing out on the crack and missing out in the chat and catching up with friends and maybe playing games of cards are always popular thing to do can you not do it and do we why do we feel we always have to drink it's it's something you know in our psyche isn't it it's just it's it's our relationship with alcohol I suppose that's what it goes back to and Dami in Clannacilty says I was at a function recently I wasn't drinking myself it was a Sunday night and I did notice how quiet the bar was where before there would have been a queue for the bar so um, definitely the message about how much you are drinking is definitely definitely uh, getting through to uh, people 1850 And I just want to give a quick mention to everybody involved in the Bandon Daycare Centre. I got a text in to say that they're preparing for their coffee morning and cake sale in Bandon Daycare Centre, which is happening this Saturday morning at 10 o'clock. And as we speak, they're prepping and getting ready for us. So good morning and hi to everybody at Bandon Daycare Centre. C103 Jobs. A business manager is required It's for Skibbereen Sports and Fitness Centre, while traffic management operators are required for West Cork and the surrounding areas. And Farm Relief Services in Bandham, they have a number of positions available in the West Cork uh, area for spring of uh, 2019. And PE Global Healthcare, they're looking for an ICU nurse and a medical surgical nurse in Cork. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Cork Today. With Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Now, figures compiled from Bernardo's show that there are now a record number of children on some type of health waiting lists. Some 37,473 children are currently waiting for assessment for anything from mental health to disability or speech and language. Joining me to discuss these figures from Bernardo's is Neve Kelly, who is policy officer with Bernardo's. Good morning to you, Neve. Good morning, Patricia. God needs some of these figures are shocking and we here in Cork and Kerry Farrell pretty badly, uh, particularly when it comes to waiting list for mental health services. Yes, indeed. I mean, what we're seeing is across the country that waiting lists are really horrendous for children in these three areas but um, we've been doing kind of monitoring these figures over the last number of years and one thing that isn't changing and remains the same each time is that the Cork and Kerry area is particularly bad for waiting times both for mental health but also for uh, disability assessment of need and speech and language services as well. And what effect does it have on a young person to have to wait any length of time especially when it comes to mental health issues? I mean, the effects are obviously varied. Um, They can be severe. They can be smaller things day to day that over time, 
um, build up to really affect a child's um, confidence and their ability to socialize, their ability to take part in education. Um, and what we're seeing is that the, the length of time the children are waiting isn't changing. And, and in many cases, it's actually going up, particularly um, around speech and language therapy. It, it is going up and children are waiting in excess of a year for all of these services. So some children waiting in excess of two years. And we know because the evidence is there, Neve, that early intervention proves most effective, particularly for something like speech and language. Absolutely. Really, for, for speech and language therapy, children need to be seen and assessed very early so that any issues are um, tackled early on before a child reaches school. Because once they've reached school, they're really already falling behind their peers. Um, you know, some of the children that we work with their parents report that they're not really able to socialise because they can't communicate with the other kids in their class. And as I'm sure your listeners will understand that, you know, those friendships are formed in those early days in in primary school and and that goes on then through class. Um, In terms of um, mental health services, really, again, early intervention can stop many of these problems becoming something bigger for a child and something that we that one area that's not included in our figures but we do also report on in, in our report is primary care psychology so for your listeners just primary care psychology would deal with you know those more um mild to moderate issues for a child um and whereas the, the cam service would be maybe something more severe and ongoing. Um, but the, the waiting for time for primary care psychology is, is equally as long and the lists are just as long. So what we're seeing then is that those children are being untreated and eventually, you know, they may end up needing a more, um, a, a, a bigger intervention later on down the road because they've been left untreated. And is it a case if a family can afford to pay, they can access the service? In many, in most cases, yes. I mean, uh, certainly for things like speech and language therapy, le- less so in relation to um, disability assessment of need, because that's actually a statutory um, service that needs to be carried out in order to access services. But what we're seeing is that, you know, once again, the two-tier health system in Ireland raises its ugly head. And for parents, who can't afford to pay, their children have no choice but to sit on a waiting list. And these are perhaps some of the most vulnerable children. Absolutely. I mean, what we see is that issues around speech and language and sometimes mental health, they are more prevalent in families who are struggling in other areas or living in disadvantaged areas or they may be struggling with other issues. So um, what we would like to see is really that the the resourcing of services is targeted at the children who need it most. Um, our report uh, mentions a, 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 an initiative on speech and language that's actually available in Cork, um, run by the HSC, and it's it's targeting dif- disadvantaged areas, but it's targeting all children in those areas in a, in a light-touch, early intervention approach, and that's something that we'd like to see rep- replicated throughout the country. Are there other possible solutions? Yeah, I mean, one thing we fo- focused on is really going back to your point on, on early intervention and prevention pieces is that there are good initiatives in the community. Um, you know, Bernardo's works with families to, to provide support to families and to work with the children to help them with these issues. But there are also other interventions being carried out throughout the country um, that are in the community. They're sort of universal approaches that will target people 
in an area universally and, and so all children avail of it and the children that need the help then they're caught early on if they need further interventions they can then be referred and we'd like to see more resourcing of that kind of approach so that children issues for children are caught early and that the children who really need the help are sent for services early on and not having to wait two years to get an assessment or indeed treatment. Yeah, and it's, you know, I mean, when I was uh, teeing up earlier on that you were coming on and we were going to be discussing the, this, you know, I was talking about how, how difficult it is uh, for, for the child. But for the parent to be watching a child, knowing that there's help there, but they just can't access it, must be just utterly heartbreaking. It's really heartbreaking for parents because they're not, it's not a case that the child is going on a waiting list and sitting there waiting for, for two years. Oftentimes their condition is deteriorating. They are struggling at school. They maybe aren't able to make friends. Their behaviour may be very challenging in the home as well. So Bernardo's works with families. Um, you know, many of the families we work with would be would have children who are, are waiting for services. Um, and what we really, we, we kind of target, I suppose, two main areas. One is helping the child with their emotions and, you know, helping the child manage the very trying time in their life, but also working with the parent and helping the parent with strategies and ways that they can best help their child because that's all every parent wants. Mm-hmm. They just want to be able to make sure that their child is okay and that, you know, they're getting the, the help they need. And I did see uh, Leo Varadkar, the Taoiseach, when he was challenged on on the figures, uh, accepting that there was a problem. But he he was saying that it's recruiting and retaining staff is a, a huge issue. I mean, how do we get around that? Yeah, I mean, there there has been a number of kind of high profile issues around the country. I know in the southeast, just around um, a lack of access to to say um, psychologists and psychiatrists. Um, really, I mean. <laughs> It is a problem, but I suppose one thing that could be done is just looking at, you know, the criteria around people's um, employment uh, conditions, I suppose. And if they're causing a problem in terms of recruiting people, then something needs to be done around that. One thing that we have suggested is that um, perhaps the National Treatment Purchase Fund could be expanded. At the moment, it's used to help people access um, who are on waiting lists for hospital care access private treatment um, in or if the waiting lists become too long. So we'd really like to see that expanded to these areas. So the children who have been waiting maybe, you know, beyond a year or two years are able to access private services where they're available um, and that that would be funded by the state. What a terrific idea. What a terrific idea, whether they'll be- pick up on it or not, Neve. Uh, only time will tell. Uh, Bernard, is they, they run up to Christmas, is that a very busy time? And over the Christmas period, will it be very busy for you guys? It is a busy time for us, yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, we appreciate any support from the public that we get and we would encourage everyone to go on bernardos.ie to have a look at how they can help families that we work with. Okay. All right, listen, uh, we appreciate you taking our call uh, today, Neve. Thank you for that and thanks for joining us. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. That is uh, Neve Kelly and Neve is the policy officer uh, with uh, Bernardos. I know there was a piece of breaking news has come in from uh, Stryker in uh, Limerick and we would have people living in the North Cork area who commute to Stryker in Limerick for work. Around 70 staff at Stryker in Limerick are to lose their jobs between now and the end of the year. What a goddamn awful time to lose your job. Employees are war- were warned of possible redundancies at a meeting about two weeks ago but they have just received written confirmation
confirmation of the move. It's understood that the job losses will mainly impact on temporary staff that were hired within the last two years. But this is Stryker in Limerick. We do, of course, know we have Stryker operations in Cork. At this stage, it remains unclear if uh, there's going to be any impact on Stryker operations in Cork. So it's Stryker in Limerick with 70 jobs to go between now and the close of the year. And we are going to, from Oigard, the station where we're joined by uh, Sergeant John Kelly. Good morning to you, John. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and you're very welcome. We Thank are you. looking for listeners' help in trying to solve some break-ins, starting with a break-in at the Vodafone shop. This is on Lower Cork Street in Mitchellstown. Your Lower Cork Street in Mitchellstown, that's right. Um, 28, that was Wednesday, uh, probably uh, between 12 midnight and 10 a.m. that morning. There was an attempt made on the Vodafone uh, shop there in Mitchellstown. We'd be looking for anyone that saw activity. Uh, entry was through the rear, so uh, any, anyone that may have seen a car acting suspiciously in the vicinity, in the streets adjoining, uh, in the area, we think it could be may- maybe one or two o'clock in the morning, but we're not sure. We believe they may have been in the area earlier. Now, nothing, nothing has been taken, but Great. it's just we would like to, uh, we would like to advance the investigation. All right, this um, is the whole inconvenience of a, of a break-in for the store owner as well. Okay, and there yeah. was a break-in in Butterfield. Uh In Butterfield, then on Monday, on Monday just gone three thirty in the afternoon, and. Um, caller in this instance, uh, they were calling to a house and they observed a black Volkswagen Golf parked suspiciously at the house and they knew there wouldn't be a black Volkswagen Golf at that particular house and um, when they called two to three suspects, uh, no better description they exited um, the property and they fled in the car. Now they went towards Main Street, Butterfield. So that was Monday afternoon 3.30pm, a black, black Volkswagen Golf so when it hit the main street in Butterfield, there's a probability it could have been driving, uh, you, you know, in a fast manner, mm. maybe maybe in a careless driving or dangerous driving manner. So if anybody got, um, if anybody got the, the the number of any car, and indeed I suppose nowadays there's quite an increasing amount of cars have have dash cams. Yeah. So if you were in the vicinity of main street Butterfield, say around three thirty on Monday, and you say, oh, a car. Uh, say, coming onto the main street, black Volkswagen Golf, you know, if you could go back through your dash cam footage and see if there's anything resembling... Do we know what, what direction? Did it head towards Limerick or head towards Mallow? We, we don't. Okay. Unfortunately, Patricia, we don't know. We know it went onto the main street in Bullivant, but we don't know its direction after that. Okay. Um, but uh, it could have been in in some other area in our park beforehand. Um Either, either sussing out, hanging maybe, around, maybe yeah, or, yeah. Or, or hanging around, or may have been seen by somebody else acting suspiciously. Um, okay. no, and in the right in the middle of the day, which is becoming right common as well, day, yeah. yeah. Right in the middle of the day, you're in the winter months. There is going to be a, a, an increase of burglaries. You know, there always is, okay. every, every year on year. Um, but overall, compared to other years, yes, we're still relatively low. Good. Um, now. That's no consolation to any person whose house has been broken into because it's an awful thing for anyone to have to go through, you know. Which happened um, last Saturday in Woodview in Churchtown. In Woodview in Churchtown, yeah, last Saturday. Uh, the parties there, they were uh, away overnight and they came back to find their house broken into. From 7 o'clock, we believe, on Saturday night until 7 o'clock on Sunday, the, the house was vacant. 24-hour period. So we'd be appealing to anyone in the area of Woodview Churchtown if they saw anything, anybody or any car acting suspiciously to get onto the get onto ourselves either in Fermoy, O two five eight hundred 
or indeed our colleagues in in, in Mallow as well. Um, Ford 50s are around as well, Patricia. Now this, this, this crops up, this is almost a seasonal thing as well. A seasonal thing, but it seems to be more common this year than even last year. Okay. Um, we had one instance in uh, uh, the Mallow, for instance, and the way it, the way it was done, a uh, person came into the shop, a uh, young lady went in, she got cigarettes at the kiosk cashed 150, right? That went through. She went down afterwards into the, the household goods department, the drapery, shall we say, department, and attempted to cash another one. So she was splitting them up. She wasn't putting them all through together. Okay. Now, the one thing about the... Now, there are, at the moment, because there was a 50 brought out there <clears throat> last year, there are two different types of 50s in circulation. So don't panic if you see two different... Uh, there's like the, the older ones. Old. The older ones are still in circulation. The older ones are in circulation. Now, yeah. the one asset test that you can do straight away with any any 50 euro note or indeed any bank note, there's a special type of ink used on them, right? It's a type of ink that never dries. And if you have a plain white sheet of paper, right, and rub it vigorously on the white sheet of paper, some of the colour will transfer. Um, now, as well as that, there's a type of intaglio printing on, on the notes, and if you rub your thumb up and down against it, uh, it's there on uh, up in the middle of the note. Well, it's funny. I was I was in uh, Dunn Stores a couple of weeks ago, and the girl at the checkout, uh, the woman in front of me, paid with I think there were twenty euro notes, and there was four or five of them. And every single note, she ran her finger, her thumb up and down. I didn't realise what she was doing. Very um, but, good practice. Yeah, yeah, but but every single note there, and obviously yeah. there, and then when I looked around, I saw that the the other checkout operators there, they they they've taught them all just to check, and um, and if you're doing it to everybody, nobody gets offended. You, you know, it doesn't take up too much time. But every all, all the notes were being checked. Correct, correct, and there's stuff you check yourself. You can check yourself. You don't need a machine to check those features, um, or or you don't need a you don't need a pen. They're very very easy visual checks and that are not replicated on the forged notes. So, just for people to be... People and the be forgeries aware. that you've come across, um, John, obviously, they, you know, they can't do, put the indentation into it and they can't get the ink into it. But at face value, if you just picked up one of these forgeries, are they good? Do they look realistic? They're not really. You know, uh, they, look, they do look realistic, but they tend to be on a kind of a, a shinier paper and okay. they don't have the quality of um, the, the quality of the paper that's used in the genuine banknote. That's why they will try and pass them when they're just after being done a few days beforehand. Because if they get crumpled at all, they, you, you know... It's you can really what, see they're fake. Yeah, you can really see yeah. they're fake, yeah. They're turning into just what they are then at that stage, which is an ordinary A4, normal quality type paper. And bu- busiest time of the year for for retailers, these busy scam artists, they'll target busy shops at busy times, won't they? Clubs, clubs, restaurants, pubs, you, you know, busy shops, uh, younger staff they'll go for um, as well, you know, staff that they will think are not as experienced, you know. Um, so just for people to be aware of it. Okay. The, the, the last thing that I want to mention there, Patricia, and it's something that all businesses, Retail premises, every business out there that's doing trade with any other company, they need to look out for this. We're beginning to see this surface more more often. There's after me a few of them. Uh, now, they're a type of scam that it will take a few days for them to come to notice. You know, it could even take a full month for it to come to notice. 
they're what they call invoice redirection fraud. Now, what it means is basically, they give you an example, right? Uh, a director of a company, say in North Cork, right? He, he, <clears throat> he called to one of our stations here. And in that case, the company was the victim of an invoice fraud. Now, how it happened, they received an email from a company which requested, right, that they forward payment to settle an account to new bank details, bank details that they previously didn't have. Now, in one case, a five-figure sum was sent off to an account in the UK. Now, because of the fact it's a type of thing that until the legitimate company, right, discover, oh, God, such a crowd haven't settled up, you know, mm-hmm. and they contact them, they contact them probably, they might email them or they'll ring them and they say, look, you know, your account is overdue, right? They'll yeah. say, look, you know, we paid it, but you emailed us that you were after changing your bank. Ah, uh, it's only then they're going to find out. It's only then, yeah, it's only then at that stage. Now, it's beginning to crop up more and more regular. Now, the, the, it was a situation that, you know, you, you heard of it from, from time to time, but it's beginning to crop up more and more regular this year. And for all, now, sometimes it might be for very small money, right? Um, and sometimes it couldn't, can, can be for larger amounts. There was a will, well-publicized case uh, up the country a couple of years ago where there was an attempt made on uh, one of the county councils and the money... Oh, I remember actually, that, yeah. yeah. The and money had actually left the country. That was a, lot, that that was a big sum of money. That, yes, was, yeah. that, that was about five or six million. Yeah, yeah. Right? But it also happens to comp- companies further down the food chain as well. Okay. You know? You need to be and, careful. And for people just to be aware of it. Um, we've also come across... One of those uh, that I saw in another part of the division going back, I suppose, earlier in the year. And this was uh, one where the email of an auctioneering business had been hacked. Um, And a a person to whom they had sold a house was due to send in, uh, put, put through a lodgement to an account for the deposit for the house. They, the people who were to put down the deposit received an email purporting from the auctioneer basically along the same line saying look we've changed our bank account we're now banking with uh, such a bank in Dublin this is the IBAN code this is the big code and uh, your the, the, their account number money was lodged and gone and is so, there is there if the fact you've got the IBAN and the BIC is there not a paper trail to that bank account to get the money back but the problem is you'll find that the, the you'll probably find that the account has been opened with forged documentation. Ah, oh God. They right? really know what they're doing. Yeah, and you'll find that the money has been taken out and gone. And grabs. Yeah, from, from maybe uh, late at night uh, with two fellas wearing a baseball cap or, or whatever, you, you know. Yeah. So they'll, they'll always, they'll all, or else somebody fairly well disguised come in, take out the money and, you know, with the legitimate paperwork to take You out, just you have know. to be so careful. You just have to be so careful, yeah. And the revenue so, scams are still doing the rounds, aren't they? The revenue, the revenue sc- scams are still emails, doing the rounds, yeah. yeah. We just came across somebody. Uh, again, it would appear in one instance that uh, the person was expecting legitimately an amount back oh. from the revenue. And oh. it would appear that their email could have been intercepted. Oh. And that they were, because the, the amount that they were expecting was contained within the substance of the email. And they were, and they were told to, Basically, send under, send under, um, send under bank details. Their bank details. Yeah, unfortunately, they did. They did, and uh, 
in two di- different transactions, they lost a total of about 2,000. Oh, God, it's galling. You know, so it just is galling. You, you know, and, and I think, unfortunately, this is the tip of the iceberg that we're going to see more and more of this economic crime, yeah. you, you, you know, over the internet, you know, so much so that, you know, you need to be so very careful, you know. What, and, what, and again, really, what really gets to me is these criminals have the intelligence to put these scams in place. If only they'd use that intelligence for something else. Oh, correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And and again, just another thing to emphasise, please don't be checking your uh, account on, on a 4G phone inside of a Wi-Fi hotspot. It's a complete no-no. Um, uh, because unfortunately, some people have been compromised in that situation where they've been, you know, where their details have been hacked because they've been operating, uh, you know, using an insecure network, maybe in an airport, maybe in a bus station. Yeah, you know, never, maybe ne- never, never check it on Wi-Fi. Click, no, no, switch no, off no and go to your 4G. No or, such thing as a free lunch, Patricia. Okay. All yeah. right, uh, yeah. John, thank you for that. And we'll talk again thank soon. You. Thanks for joining us. Yeah. Bye-bye. That is Sergeant John Kelly joining us from Fomoygar this day. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. A bit of good news making the Avenue today's Avenue newspaper, a piece by Emily O'Hearn. Um, if you are a user of public transport, commuters will benefit from a new lower leap card fare and more flexible ticket types coming in this Saturday. The National Transport Authority recently announced the introduction of a new leap green zone for customers in Cork. And these fare changes will be implemented from this uh, Saturday, the 1st of December. Now, the new Leap Green Zone will include the boundary areas of Bandon, Formoy, Kinsale, McCroom and Mallow, meaning customers there will be able to avail of a lower zoned fare. And the Leap Card also provides for a 30% discount on single journey cash fares. So if you use a public transport, check into that as and from Saturday. You um, can pick up one of those leap cards if you're living in the county. Okay, some of your texts and comments into the programme. Frank says, Patricia, you said, check your bank account details on 4G on your phone. Well, says Frank, you should never do any banking on your phone or your laptop. Anyone can hack into your account. Go to the bank teller, the old fashioned way. Be safe, uh, says uh, Frank. And I think a lot of people would like the idea of doing it the old-fashioned way and going to a bank teller. But you go into a bank and you won't always be able to interact with the bank teller. They'll actually point you over in the direction of a computer in most banks uh, because that's what banking online is all about and that's what the banks want us to do. They want us to do everything online. When I said to check your bank details on 4G, what I was talking about with Sergeant John Kelly was the advice has come out to never check or do any kind of banking details or check, do any kind of financial work online. Never do it if you're on a public Wi-Fi. If you're in a public Wi-Fi and you need to do something where your credit card is going to be used or you have to do some kind of banking online, transferring money from one account to another. You know, you could be away on holidays. You need to do some kind of banking online. The advice is if you're in a public Wi-Fi then log out of the Wi-Fi and then use your 4G instead, that that's the safest way to do it. So that's what I was suggesting when I was saying doing your banking on uh, 4G. But Frank, most people will tell you now that they, all of their banking 
is done online and the majority of it is safe. You've just got to be so careful and keep checking regularly, checking of your bank accounts. You get into the habit of doing that on a regular basis, at least once a month. Check your, you know, check everything online to make sure that there's nothing untoward happening with your account. But the banks themselves are pretty much trying their best to get on top of fraud. I mean, I was only saying a couple of weeks ago, I woke up to a text message from my bank that during the middle of the night, my credit card had been compromised. It had been used in New York for what looks like to buy a cup of coffee and also then to park a car in the Bronx used on some kind of a um, a machine for parking cars, for, par- for parking a car. And obviously this got picked up by the powers that be at my bank. They contacted me to see was I in New York? Was I using my credit card outside of the country obviously I wasn't and the card they, they straight away saw it was fraud so the that card is gone now because it's been compromised and it's a pain in the butt because they've got to reissue with a new one and all of that and and actually the, the follow up on that story while it, you know I rang them very early on the Monday morning they realised that it was a scam they realised my card had been compromised not the scam that it was fraud uh, and they said okay we're now going to cancel that card and we will reissue with a new card. You'll receive a new card uh, soon. So within three days, I'd say I had a new PIN number and then nothing. Didn't get a card. And I actually had to contact them this week, almost two weeks later, uh, to say, you know, go through it all again. And they, I said, I never got the card. And then they looked and said, oh yeah, the card was, the new card was generated, but it hasn't been posted out yet. There's been some error along the way. So I'm still awaiting the credit cards to keep on, on top of them uh, as well. But thank you for your text, uh, uh, Frank. Someone who's rather annoyed today, and I'm assuming listening to all the pieces that we did about drink driving and drug driving and all of that, says by way of a rant. Morning, Patricia. What sort of country have we become? Those bloody bees sitting in their offices with their big asses and fat salaries trying to bring in living conditions that don't impact on themselves. It is a disgrace. You can't drink. You can't smoke. You can't have sex. Now, I don't know who's stopping you having sex, but anyway, you, you can't get fat. You can't light a fire. It goes on and on. It's all about can'ts. Can't these people just go away and get a life, says someone who's been annoyed about being told what they can and cannot uh, do. Some of your WhatsApps in, particularly on the drink driving issue that we did with drink wise and in or drink aware and in particular warning people about the new penalties that have come in. It was due to the new Road Traffic Amendment Act, which came into effect on the 26th of October. Someone by WhatsApp, did your guest advise that if you're pulling a trailer, it's also the lower limit driving, the lower limit driving of 20 mLs? I don't know if she said anything about pulling a trailer. The lower limit, the penalties for the lower limit is, the lower drink driving limit is for learner drivers, novice drivers and professional drivers. If you're pulling a trailer, that doesn't make you a professional driver. I mean, professional drivers to me would be any of the truck drivers, the lorry drivers, HGV drivers. Professional driver would be taxi drivers, hackney drivers. I'm assuming ambulance personnel would be professional drivers. I don't know if pulling a trailer constitutes a professional driver. I'll look into it for you, but I don't... I, I didn't, that's not to say that she didn't say it and I just missed that uh, that bit. I mean, if you're pulling a trailer as part of your work, 
and that is your job. Does that make you a professional driver? That I would have to check. Somebody else is asking, what is Morris and Mitchell? Thank you, Morris. What are your name and your WhatsApp? What is the legal limit, uh, Patricia? The, the legal limit remains the same. It's the blood alcohol concentration of 50 milligrams is for, for everyday drivers, the normal drivers. And then the learner drivers, the novice drivers and the professional drivers, it is lower still. It's, it's 20 uh, milligrams. And then so if you're caught with a drink driving range of between 50 milligrams and 80 milligrams up to the 26th of October, you would have received 200 euro fine and three penalty points. But that's where the change came in. The actual blood alcohol concentration remains the same of 50 milligrams. That's the legal limit. And then if you're caught between 50 and 80 milligrams, it's the lower range. You will now be off the road for three months. That's where the changes came in. But the actual legal limit of 50 milligrams, that remains the same, Morris. That has not changed at all. Hi, Patricia says, and the reason you go to a pub is to drink alcohol. And it was a way to meet people and have a chat. The owner of the pub is not going to be very happy with you saying that you should go to the pub and just have a mineral or a cup of coffee. At the end of the day, it is the publican's only source of income. But, says Sam, I do think that if they provided transport for people, it could be a, an answer. Now, I don't know how much of it goes on now, but certainly there was a time where publicans were organising in, in very rural areas. Some publicans actually invested in a bus and they'd run a bus service to bring people home. Other rural publicans would drive people home. Now, I don't know how much of it goes on today, how much of it is feasible. If you're, go, you know, if you're in a very, very rural area to take people, would you be out all night trying to drop uh, people home? But it is a problem. It is a problem in, a, in very, for very, uh, I mean, a lot of those pubs in rural areas have closed down for that reason because people were taking the risk were having a few drinks and were driving home but then when the drink driving limits got harder and harder and stricter and stricter it stopped people taking the risk and certainly now the chance of somebody losing their licence whereas before they might take the risk if they thought oh three penalty points and 200 euro I'll take the chance for that you're not going to take the chance if you think you're going to be off the road for uh, three months. Liam says, Hi Patricia, listening to your programme today in the chat on drink driving. Some of you listeners might be interested in seeing how one group of friends dealt with the drink driving problem and the no smoking ban in a play that runs tonight in Kilworth where the Palace players are staging Where Is This Malabar? It's a play by one of their own, Liam Howard. It might be the answer. Uh, it might not be the answer, but one can understand the stance they have taken, uh, says Liam. So if you want to check that out, Kilworth tonight, Palace players who are, by all accounts, doing... Uh, an amazing um, they're getting amazing results they're on the amateur drama uh, circuit and they're getting wins all around them this play by Liam Howard sounds like it's absolutely stunning and it is going down a bomb around the country they are uh, uh, when is the when is the the when the finals are on the it's next year isn't it the All-Ireland finals I think they're going to keep watch this space because I think they're going to do extremely well with that play judging by the reaction they're already get, getting with the number of wins uh, they've had by taking part in different various um, amateur drama festivals uh, good luck with that. That's Kilworth tonight if anybody wants to go along and see that seeing as we're on the topic of drinking and driving. And Mary says, Patricia, is Heineken Zero totally alcohol free? I asked John Paul and he says he, he says it is and then we did a quick check 
and Heineken launched, this was when they launched it back in March of this year. Heineken launched a 0.0 non-alcoholic lager because you will get non-alcoholic lagers that will have a tiny, tiny amount of alcohol. But Heineken zero and one of their selling points is the fact that it's 0.0. So it is completely non-alcoholic alcoholic. Now years ago when they started bringing in these non-alcoholic beers I remember tasting them and they tasted absolutely dreadful but seemingly over the years it's got better and better and better and this Heineken Zero according to John Paul who's a man in the know when it comes to beer and beer drinking and he's a Heineken drinker says hard to tell the difference hard to tell the difference between the real thing and Heineken Zero. So yes according to all the information about Heineken Zero Mary, it is totally alcohol free. It is zero. Uh, it has zero. Zero point zero. No alcohol at all. And a quick mention too for uh, Butterfint and Liz Griffin annual carol service. It's going to be held on Sunday the 9th of December in St Mary's Church in Butterfint. 7 o'clock start all are very welcome and I'm told it's a great way to prepare for the up and coming season of uh, Christmas and I came in from Peggy uh, thank you uh, on behalf of the Butterfield Pastoral Council thank you for that uh, Peggy and actually only yesterday because when I was speaking with the lovely Father Liam Lawton I mentioned that when people if, if you are for whatever reason can't feel the Christmas spirit try to find a local carol service try to find some kind of singing that's going on in the church we were talking with Father Liam who is um, singing in, in, a, in a couple of churches uh, locally, but local carol services. And if you can get ones where children are involved as well, honest to God, it'll just, it brings you back, I think, to a time when that spirit of Christmas, that magical time of Christmas, I think when we were children, it's hard to hang on to that, I think, as we get older. But certainly any sort of a service in the run-up to Christmas that involves Christmas songs and carols in a church is truly special. So there you go. Good people about it. Mark it in your diary Sunday the 9th of December. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie The Random Players are presenting Neighbours written and directed by Maurice McGillicuddy at the White Horse in Ballancolic tonight. Doors will open at half past seven. Tickets are available from www.whitehorse.ie or from the bar at the White Horse. Sunshine Players, they're presenting their play A Pot of Spuds. It's a two-act comedy. It's in the Emilian Theatre in Mallow and it is on tonight at half past seven. Tickets €5. All are welcome. St. Teresa's Place Residence Association are holding a Christmas night in the Delquin Hall in Canturk tonight at 7. Come along for tea, mince pies and a talk on neighbourhood watch and security at home by the local community Garda. A farmers meeting organised by the ICSA will be held in the West Lodge Hotel in Bantry. That's on tonight at 8 with a number of guest speakers. And the Blood Transfusion Service, they're holding blood donor clinics, Cork Race Course in Mallow, 3 to 5 this afternoon and 7 to 9 tonight. And a coffee morning will be held tomorrow morning at the Bantry Bay Hotel from 11am to 1.30pm and it's in aid of the wonderful Irish community air and ambulance. Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See Breedhaven.ie. C103. Cook's more news at breakfast.
Aiken Promotions presents Toto Live at the Marquee Saturday, June 15th Tickets from 55 Euro Go on sale this Wednesday at 9am Maybe subject to fees In association with the Irish Independent and C103. We're still getting in a lot of calls on the drink driving issue that we uh, discussed and just trying to make people aware of the new penalties that are now in uh, place. Uh, Patricia, the guards are all over rural West Cork. They have it locked down. It's not the same in Killarney. I'm told you'll never see a guard in Killarney. So that's why the pubs are doing so well there. What about a postman, says a texter? Is he or she a professional driver? And if they drive their own private car whilst not working, what's the story there? We're going to look into that and check out what do they actually deem a professional driver because the penalties for the professional driver remains the same in that they're instantly off the road as well. That was always the case with a three-month disqualification, but they've got the lower drink driving limit of 20 milligrams, where it's 50 milligrams if you're not a professional driver. Is a postman a professional driver? We're going to look into it and check and see if that is the case. Hi, on the breathalyzer. I work in Melix Pharmacy in Formoy and we will be stocking reusable ones in the coming weeks and we're actually taking pre-orders for them now. If people are in the Formoy area, thank you for that. That's in Mellorick's Pharmacy in Formoy. I know the very first breathalyzer I ever bought, but it was a number of years ago. It was in a pharmacy but we broke it um, we dropped it and it broke so we had to get another one which we got overseas I was away and, and, and got one but pharmacies I think is, is probably a good place uh, to try uh, for them now also into John Paul a number of calls in the Eddie in Mallow says I feel Ireland is turning into a country is turning into a country people do not want to live in. I feel people are living so far away from social occasions or bars and there is no way for them to go home unless they walk. And then if you're walking in a very rural area, down a dark country lane or dark country roads, you're more in danger of being killed. They also, this is the Gardaí, need to do more drug testing. Too many people have been put off the road for drink driving when instead it should be drug testing. I don't know if you were tuned in earlier, Eddie, when I was giving out the stats on the drug testing. And only 2,000 people have been stopped and checked for drug testing. And in the same period of time, half a million breath people have been breathalyzed. So there. And when the drug testing came in in April of 2017, we were told there would be at least 50,000 drug tests, roadside drug tests done. And they're nowhere near. I don't know why, but they're nowhere near uh, completing that. Joan and Formoy says the bottom line is you should not have any alcohol in your system. It is so low now. Nobody should take, be taking the risk and having a, dr- a drink. So you should just c- come out and have the courage to say no 
drinking in if you're driving. Instead of this talking about 20 millilitres of blood alcohol or 50 millilitres, it is just confusing people. No alcohol at all. And I think, Joan, the majority of people will say that they wouldn't drink and drive. And if they have a drink, they won't dare get behind the wheel of a car. But Tim and Mallow is raising a point that we, we did mention earlier. Good afternoon, Tim. It's the, it's the morning after is the problem. Yeah, I, I said if somebody is at a wedding, or are these social events now with companies that are happening over Christmas, it's the following morning. I mean, I had breathalysers now over the years as well, like, and they varied. But I mean, why can't they issue the same breathalyser that people would pay for just to check themselves the following morning? Yeah, do a bit, a bit like what they do in France with the disposable ones, and that they're, they're the ones that are recognised. If the guardie, I suppose it would be the road safety authority would have to bring in one, but at least then people would know the next day. Check yourself. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if I was at a, uh, we often went to a wedding there, and always stay overnight because yeah. of the drink driving. Yeah. And we'd even stay until maybe two o'clock the following day. But I mean, you could be still off at the limit. Yeah. Especially with twenty. 20 million. I mean, well, that's so if I you're, can't. yeah, if you're a professional driver. I mean, I do feel for people who are professional drivers. I mean, I, I would, if, if they have any kind of alcohol the night before, they would nearly want to stay off the road for 24 hours because if a professional driver loses their license, they've lost their job for three months. But I mean, it's kind of, it's kind of ridiculous now. Like, I mean, it's one thing not drinking but if you're driving, but it's another thing going on for a couple of drinks, like, and they're walking the following day. I mean, or. Whatever, if you, even if you're not working, if you want to get from A to B. And a lot of the Christmas parties, which will kick in, I take from this weekend, but a lot of the Christmas parties are held during the week because the hotels obviously can't cater for all of them on the weekend. So you are going to have people going out during the week and having to go for work the next day. Yeah, and I mean, you can't expect the proprietor of a pub to be taking you home all the time. They won't collect you for work the following morning. Yeah, <laughs> no, they can't do that as yeah. well. All right, Tim, thanks for that. Okay, thanks. thanks for joining us. John in Mill Street says the Cullen and Rathmore area, the Gardaí are out and about and they have been bagging people on Sunday mornings. So the Gardaí are out and about for those callers who think they're not. I met them going to Mass on a Sunday morning. John says Mass attendance is even down because if somebody has had a few bit of a skinful on Saturday night. People are afraid to go out, drive to Mass the next day. God, we've heard all kinds of reasons for people not going to Mass, but there's a new one out to add to the list. People might be afraid that they would be over the drink driving uh, limit. Um, yeah, I suppose what Drink Aware will tell us is we need to be aware of our drinking. You just need to drink less the night before. 1850 Your car is, this is somebody trying to clarify, professional driver. Your car is a work vehicle with a trailer, that's law. And you're only a professional driver in your work vehicle. You're only a professional driver in your work vehicle. So are you saying that if a professional driver is driving, is not driving the work vehicle and gets checked the next day and they end up over the limit, over the 20 uh, milligram limit. Are you saying that they they then are okay because they weren't in their work vehicle? It's only if they're driving their work vehicle 
and get bagged over the 20 milligram that then they'd lose their licence. We'll, we'll see if we can get clarification on that because that, that is the one now that seems to be causing a bit of confusion. If you're driving the following day, no drink full stop, says a texter. Some people are completely black and white on this. There's no grey area at all uh, for some. I mentioned earlier on about doing your banking online. Pat from Charleville says, Patricia, the safest way is the old checkbook and pen. Are many people still using the old checkbook and pen? I wonder. I don't know. Lovely new post office. This is from Janet. Lovely new post office in Mitchellstown, but no seating for elderly and disabled people. Maybe that's something could could be added. Can you get that message out to the post office in Mitchellstown? That's in Super Value, isn't it? Because when we did, was that the super? Was that the post office where we couldn't find? We were looking for the post box for it, and we had to put an SOS out, and we did. <laughs> we found the post box. If that's the same one, it's in the Super Value uh, in uh, Mitchellstown, and someone else go back to drink driving for for a second somebody else says what about the priests drinking wine during mass what happens there well I suppose how much of it do they drink do they drink a full they wouldn't drink a glass if they're doing a few masses which we know wasn't the case before but certainly is happening now where you will have a number of adjoining parishes and they share a priest and a priest could do the eight o'clock mass in one parish, get into the car, do a ten o'clock somewhere else, and then be over the other side of the diocese doing a um, a mass at twelve. I mean, if it's, I, I mean, I don't know. Is that is that possible for a priest could do three masses on one Sunday morning? And if so, if he was having the altar wine at all three masses, I'm assuming the altar wine is very low alcohol anyway. Listen, something else uh, that we will look into for you. And I just want to give a very, by the way, pet questions, please, for uh, Jane, our resident vet, because I see she's in the building. 1850 333103. If you want to get a pet question into John Paul, uh, you can text or WhatsApp me and they'll come straight into the studio 086. Two one zero three one zero three. If you have a pet question, and I want to give, I got an email in on this. I just want to give a quick mention to this. The Duhallo Pony Club, in conjunction with Longueville House, are hosting a Christmas coffee morning. It'll be on Friday the 14th of December so giving you plenty of advance warning on this from 10am in the morning until 12 midday and it's in aid of the Ricky Healy Appeal. All are very welcome uh, if you want to go along there if you are free on Friday the 14th of December the lovely setting of Longueville House for a special Christmas coffee morning in aid of the Ricky Healy uh, appeal that we haven't um, we must check up and see how young um, Ricky was doing he was the young lad who was involved in that dreadful dreadful accident away on holidays uh, out in the pool with his friends. It was the first day they were in holidays, dived into the pool and didn't, a very good swimmer, but didn't realise that he was diving into the shallow end of the pool and he had devastating, a devastating spinal injury. And there's been fantastic fundraising done, a lot of it done by his friends, um, which is terrific. Young people helping out another young person. We went, went to try and get a follow-up and see how uh, young Ricky's doing. The last thing we heard, he was in the rehabilitation unit, wasn't he, in Dunleary. I don't know if he's still there uh, or not. OK, I need to take a break. Jane Pickett, our resident vet, will be joining us in studio. Something's gone wrong with one of the animals in your house and you have a question for uh, Jane. Uh, get it into us now, please. John Paul has taken the calls, 1850 or you can text or WhatsApp a question into me here, 0862 
Court today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow. It's family run, so your loved one will feel at home. See breedhaven.ie. C103. Cork's Christmas bells are ringing. The lights are sparkling bright. Kids cheer and laughter echo on this festive winter's night. Bring family and friends. It's a place they'll love to go. A Christmas celebration. Tis the season to visit Glow. Join C103 for the return of Glow. A core Christmas celebration on the Grand Parade. Every weekend until December 22nd. Take a family trip to town and explore Bishop Lucy Park. Magically lit and transformed into a Christmas wonderland. Entitled The Night Before Christmas in Old Cork. Take in the beautiful city views from the Ferris wheel. Indulge at the food markets and enjoy festive entertainment. Tis the season to visit Glow at the Grand Parade. Presented by Cork City Council, The Evening Echo and C103. This is the Cork Today replay on C103. Jane Pickett from the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket joins me in studio. Good afternoon to you, Jane. Hi there. Uh, were you out in that atrocious weather yesterday? Were you okay? Oh, you know, I escaped it. I was flying yeah. back from the UK last night and I just got my flight without any delays. I think well, I missed you the were rest lucky. of it. I know, I was really, really lucky. I was watching the flights the whole time, waiting for it to be cancelled. But Because um, there was a lot of flights to the UK cancelled yesterday there morning. Was, there was yeah. a huge amount and I think there was quite a lot of diversions, but somehow I escaped. But vets have, to, vets have to go out in those kind of conditions, don't they? We do, you know, and yeah. it's really hard. I think one way or another storms wind hail rain snow the animals get sick and we're kind of ethically bound to go and help as best yeah. we can like we, we do our very very best to work together as a team to make sure that we're all very safe um, but it is it is very difficult that said most people are incredibly reasonable like the farming community are incredible and they understand it because they they're out know. in wind hail rain yeah. and snow themselves so they're very reasonable it's usually only if there's if there's a dire emergency as it yeah. were they're very very sensible if it can wait great can wait. okay straight into questions Jim and Clonakilty was on Collie Dog uh, three and uh, three and a half I think that should be three and a half years old a rescue dog but a bag of nerves any way of getting her to relax any special feed anything that can be given to her nervous dog which can happen because you don't know as a rescue dog you don't know the backstory. no you have no idea usually which can be really difficult because some of these dogs have experienced in- incredible amounts of Cruelty. abuse and cruelty and Awful. and they are the kindest animals coming to us and putting their faith in somebody when they've probably not known very nice people previously um, in some cases some cases I understand that it's just a change of circumstances and people are doing their best by surrendering the pets but a lot of the time we don't know what's happened okay. it can be really difficult and I think particularly in this case for Jim he has a collie and collies are a beautiful breed they're so incredibly intelligent and that can really work in their favour because they're incredibly trainable and really, really astute little characters. But it can kind of work against them in some ways as well. Because they are so intelligent, if they've had previous experiences and we might not know what's happened to them if they've been rescued, they really hold that in their brains and they're very clever. They're constantly like their brain is ticking over wondering what's going to happen next. As a breed, they can be quite flighty because of that. And as rescues go they can be a little bit more challenging than most in some circumstances. Okay. Um, I think you're doing the best you can. You're realising that there is an issue and you're wondering how you can remedy it. So well done for that. Um, and well done for taking on a rescue dog. I think there are a few things you can do. I think consistency is the first thing I would say. My own dog, Margot, is a, a little greyhound that I took on. Um, 
that you named Margot. Margot, <laughs> yeah. And she's a bundle of nerves. She's not a collie, so she's got a slightly different mentality, but she okay. shakes and shakes if her, if her routine changes at all. All right. She gets really worried. And as a breed, they can be like that, very much like collies in a similar way. Um, and for her, the thing that really, really helps is consistency. Okay. She is a creature of habit. So don't change don't the routine. Don't change anything. I think okay. it, really, if your dog is going to be incredibly clever because he's a collie, he's going to match those patterns up and realize that unless things change, everything's the same and it's fine. And eventually he'll learn that, you know, it's a, it's a safe space. Everything's yeah. normal. Nothing's changing. Now, he might need some assistance with it initially. Um, I think one thing you can perhaps do, probably not in the way of feed or diet or anything like that. There's very little available that's evidence based that would work from that perspective. But there are some plugins that you can get very much like an air freshener, as it were. Um, and I think there's a few on the market. There's Pet Remedy, there is um, Adaptal. And they're kind of like dog happy hormones, essentially. Okay. It's like the the smell, the pheromones that we've... And humans here. can't smell it. No, no, we no. can't smell it okay. at all. It's not harmful to us at all. Um, it's not something and it just It relaxes the dog, it doesn't it? It relaxes them a yeah. little bit. It's kind of what it is. It's based on the idea of the pheromones that... Um, a, a, a dog mummy essentially gives out when to the she's puppies. feeding her pups. Ah. So it kind of brings them back to that space where they think about, you know, being safe, being with their mummy. And um, you plug it in. You can plug it in. Yeah. You can also get little collars so that they can kind of travel around with a little bit of the scent on them. But what I would say, if you want to try the plugins, they're available in various stores that I know most vets would be able to access yeah. them or would have And just give it a try. Yeah, and just keep at it and and yeah, and build and eventually build up the confidence. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, they'll never be a super confident dog, but but you, you certainly can get them past being a bag of nerves. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donny in Mahan has a cat with a fur falling off the tail only the tail they can actually see the skin any idea he's not been fighting it's an indoor cat we don't um, leave her out during the day or it's uh, it's gone from a he to a she I'm not sure it's a female cat it's about six years old this is a difficult one there could be a few things going on here and it's really interesting if it is just the tail that's affected it's a little bit unusual um Without seeing it, it's a little bit challenging, but there are a few possibilities. I think the first one is, if you think about a cat, the tail is an easy place to access, to chew and lick at. Um, So it can be quite enticing in that sense. And one thing that cats can do sometimes, they don't display stress in the normal way that we would display stress. Sometimes they can lick and chew at their fur and sometimes we see these kind of pattern boldness essentially developing because they're they're licking at themselves so much as kind of a stress release as it were. It's kind of a displacement tactic so they can distract themselves. And sometimes we see patterns of that usually on the belly um, where they can access their belly really easily but sometimes on the tail. So it could be something like that. The other thing that could happen if he does have access to the outdoors is if the tail got caught in something and if the skin did get damaged that can sometimes make the hair fall out. Normally, there'd be a good amount of bruising associated with that if it was severe enough to make the hair fall out. But that's also a possibility. Mm. I think the last possibility well, would be one of two things, and they'd be more of a veterinary matter, as it were. It could just be something like a parasite infection, like fleas, mites or lice. But I'd be surprised if it was just on the tail. It's normally covering the rest all of the over, body as yeah. well. Exactly. If there's any itchiness elsewhere on the body, that's a really important thing to highlight to your vet. The last thing will be really quite rare. Sometimes they can have hormonal problems that would lead to boldness in unusual places. But again, that's quite rare. I think in this case, without seeing it, it's a bit difficult to say. I mm. think if your cat's really happy and bright and well in himself... 
um, or herself as the case may be um, then I, I don't think it's an emergency as such but I would say it would warrant a trip to the vet just yeah. to rule out the more common things to see if there's anything that yeah, needs to be Yeah, yeah and just to, I mean but, but it, it doesn't sound like the cat is in any way no. a distress maybe the next time you're at the vet with the cat mm-hmm. um, pointed out Martin in Charleville has a Jack Russell Terrier male um, he is going to he's taken the the dog to the vet because he had a swollen abdomen. The dog has been diagnosed with heart failure. He is on medication. He's doing okay. But the problem is he appears to have no appetite. He was given some kind of a high energy that you dissolve into the food but Martin says he just won't touch it. He is drinking water fine but his appetite is gone. Yeah, this this is a really challenging one. If they do have heart failure, when they get a swollen belly, it's normally because the, the heart works like a pump and essentially when the pump breaks, the fluid goes where it's not meant to. And that can mean in the case of heart failure on the right side of the heart, it ends up with a big puffy fluidy abdomen. That can make them feel a little bit uncomfortable because it's sore on the belly when it gets a little bit more distended and um, and bigger, but it also just makes them feel not so well. Um, and that can lead to a reduction in appetite from that perspective. I think well done popping to your vets, getting medication sorted. It does sound like if he's been on them a few days now and he's not beginning to pick up on himself or certainly if he's any worse, I would suggest returning to your vet because sometimes it can be really challenging. So there's there's very set medications we normally use for heart failure in dogs. What I would say is everybody's different and every dog with heart failure is different. So with those medications, sometimes we need to tailor the doses quite a lot to get a good response. So work together with your vet to get the best outcome. And hopefully once he's feeling a little bit better, the appetite will return. So heart failure doesn't mean the dog is dying, does it? So no. heart failure is, 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 is a funny beast, essentially. It, it is something that we manage that in most cases we can't cure. But what I okay. would say... But you can manage it. You can manage oh, right, it, okay. exactly. Um, very much like in humans, there's a great array of things that can happen to the heart. But in a lot of cases, we can manage it with medication so that they have a really great quality of life for a period of time. Yeah, because that's what it's all about. Exactly. It's all yeah. about quality of life, not quantity. Yeah. As long as they're really happy and you get to spend some extra time with them yeah. of, of varying varying length. Okay, but a trip thing. back, maybe just to, to tweak the meds um, a little exactly. bit. Exactly. Okay, hi, uh, Trish and Jane. I had my puppy spayed on Tuesday. Well done. But she hates the collar. The Victorian collar, I'm assuming. Um, how long do I have to leave it on? My vet said three days, but I'm afraid that she's going to pull the stitches out. Thank mm. you, says Molly, because see, this is the one thing with the puppies because they're they're lively if and they bouncing. Have anything Those, they can these are what Elizabethan collars. Elizabethan collars. Sorry, yeah, no, Victorian. No, no. I got the word wrong. Elizabethan no, no. collars. Yeah, they're yeah. I hate them as well. I hate them on dogs and cats. It's just yeah, it's and they hate them. Challenge. They do. So some. It's really variable. Sometimes you'll get a dog that will, you'll pop the collar on and they'll just stand there stock still going, what's this? I don't understand. And they won't move. And sometimes within half an hour, they'll adapt really, really well. And they just kind of know it's nothing to be afraid of. They'll learn where the edges of their collar are so they're not bopping into things. But others won't tolerate it so well. Now, what I would say is it's it's really important to the post-operative care post-despite. Well done for getting it done. It's definitely the right thing to do. But the aftercare is super important. And because they're managed on an outpatient basis with the dog going home, you're doing exactly the right thing, leaving on the collar as your vet directed. Now, it depends. Every vet's a little bit different depending on what way exactly they close the skin and things. So that might have different requirements. So if your vet said three days, then at a minimum three days. So we're Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. You're nearly halfway there, Molly. That's one way of looking at it. Yeah, sometimes. uh, So for 
in, in a normal circumstance, it's anywhere between, let's say, 7 to 10 to 14 days we'd normally normally keep them on. There are alternatives, though. Now, the Elizabethan collar is definitely the most kind of cost-effective option. But if your dog is really struggling with that, and it's it's a little girl, I assume, if it's been spayed, mm. um, you can get little body suits, which are almost like cat suits for dogs. Um, and they work really well. Um, speak to your vet, they may well have them in stock, but if in, in a dire situation, have a chat with your vet because they'll know your dog best and they'll they'll have very specific post-operative requirements. But if they're struggling with a collar, ask them if it's okay to use a long t-shirt or even like a baby grow. But discuss that with your vet because they'll, okay. all, they'll all... But be- you see, sometimes as well, um, it's <laughs> us... I, I remember having a cat that I had to put one of those Elizabethan collars on and I just, I felt so sorry for the cat and mm-hmm. all of that. I think I was more distressed than the cat was. The cat mm. didn't really like it, but got, was getting on with it. But I think I was, at times, you've you've got to yeah. weigh it up, you know. Mm. And, and Molly, I know you're looking at your gorgeous puppy thinking, oh, he hates this, she hates this, she hates this. Do you know what I mean? I think exactly. We, we transfer a lot of our emotions onto them in a sense. And we need to be a little bit mindful of when we're doing that. I think it can be really difficult seeing them a little bit concerned about what they have around their head with the Elizabethan collar and certainly we want them to be comfortable so the alternatives are an option as regards a bodysuit yeah. if that's available but what I would say is the thing that's of utmost importance is it's very short term kind of annoyance with the collar versus major post-operative problems if they lick at the wound and get an infection that can be very serious or life-threatening and certainly if they pull at the stitches and perhaps even open the surgical wound, then that's catastrophic. So I definitely have, I have a story best. that I could share on that for my sister. I won't, but <sighs> it was very, very traumatic. Molly, leave that collar on, honest to God. But as you say, go back to the vet if, if you really think the dog is in coping. Listen, thanks a million as always, Jane. We'll talk to you again next week. That is uh, Jane Pickett of the Islandwood Veterinary Hospital in Newmarket, part of uh, the Mill Street Veterinary Group. Now, I can still see a lot of uh, texts and calls uh, coming in. We will promise you as always we read all of them when we come off air and we will bring a sample of them to you tomorrow in the programme but thank you to everybody who uh, interacted today we had a busy busy show thanks to John Paul McNamara talk to you tomorrow at 10 Court Today with Breedhaven Nursing Home Mallow it's family run so your loved one will feel at home see breedhaven.ie C103 Hey it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80 percent less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up Quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. That's Quince.com slash upgrade. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.